evildoers will be cut down like the grass. Welcome back to the Hackberry House, a daily podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted Church of North Korea. My name is Bob. This is podcast number 186. It's June 14, 2015. Today we're spending some time with Crossing Borders, a Christian Korean group here in Chicagoland that ministers to North Korean refugees. Now, I know some people are saying, wait a minute, let's let's minister to the North Koreans while they're still in there. Good luck with that one. Uh, Although there are people who, North Koreans in particular, who go back and, and bless their own people somehow. I don't know how that works. But um, you say, well, uh, once they're out, everything's okay, right? I mean, they're home free. Let me tell you my own story. And my own story is, I'm not North Korean, obviously. I'm not Korean at all. And I cannot in any way compare any kind of suffering I've ever had with anything they've ever had. But when I was in South Korea, I and that was in 2009, <clears throat> um, our, our job there was to minister to North Korean Christians and uh, to uh, the ones who had, had escaped. Refugees had come down and we, we met some of them. I had asked the Lord before, God help me to relate to these people somehow because I'm I'm Western, I'm I'm comfortable. I've I've been in America so long. Dear God, how can I ever, ever relate to them? And God gave me a way. God gave me a way and I I you gotta watch out what you pray for, right? Um because during that time, uh through trauma, through uh running out of adrenaline, different people explained it to me a different way, nervous breakdown. Um I began to live in my second week there out of seven that we were planning to uh, to be there, and we were there. Second week out, uh, I began to live in fear, anxiety. It was just 24-7 anxiety. Couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, lost weight, got very, very, very sick. Tried to carry on my duties of writing and so on. We were trying to get their stories and bring them back and publish them, and I did that. But everything was painful mentally to try to do anything. Um, my thinking was, if I can just get back to America, if I can just get out of this this part of the world where I don't know understand the language or anything, I'm, I'm, it's like being homesick. Even one of the psychiatrist doctors over in Korea told me you told my wife, well, your husband's just uh, a little homesick. Don't worry about it. Well, I was that. When I got home, I was thinking, once I touch American soil, I'm going to start feeling better. But you know what? It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, When you are traumatized, when you are a sick person mentally, and I don't mean retarded. I mean uh, something's gone wrong with your brain. You're not seeing stuff properly anymore. Everything is fear in my case and depression. It does. You don't just turn that switch on and off, and and that's why when North Koreans come out of North Korea, they need to be ministered to. And thank God for the people that God has raised up to be there, to be right there. One of those groups, as I said, is crossing borders. It's headquartered uh, in Glenview, Illinois, not too far from where I live. And they have published a book, booklet, that. Uh, 
outlines their ministry and some of the facts of North Korea. I'll go over some of those facts on Saturdays. Will that Saturday be uh, information day? But Sunday, I want to be story day. And they've thankfully put a couple stories in here. We'll start with one today about a girl named Jehua. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Being, and I'm reading now, being an illegal immigrant is difficult in any country. But for the tens of thousands of North Korean refugees in China, a normal life is almost impossible. Being born to a North Korean mother who was sold to a Chinese man is a difficult upbringing for any child, but that's a very common thing that happens. Jehua was born into such a life, suffered daily, at the hands of her North Korean mother, who was trafficked in China. Her mother used to choke her violently when she was frustrated. How could a North Korean woman in China, sold into such conditions, not be frustrated? Not justifying choking, of course, but explaining. Most of the refugee women in our network report similar feelings of hopelessness. They're locked in their homes all day for fear of the Chinese police who actively search out people just like her. Each day they wonder, is this the day? North Korean refugees face time in the country's infamous system of political prison camps if they're caught in China. Some refugees in our network have reported a drudging life in these camps, mindless labor, Almost no food, maybe 24 kernels of corn per day. Cramped cells and harsh interrogations are common. On top of this, if you're caught, North Korean refugees face um, execution. In 2013, it was reported that nine North Korean refugees who were caught in Laos on their way to freedom via the modern-day Underground Railroad were executed. These executions often happen publicly to scare anyone who is thinking about leaving the country. So it's understandable why Jehua's mother was so frustrated, why she felt her life was so hopeless. These choking sessions happened often and left Jehua inwardly and outwardly scarred. When Jehua was about eight years old, her mother was caught in China and sent to North Korea, never to be heard from again. The young girl was sent to her grandmother, who, by the time Jehua was 12, could not take care of her because of her deteriorating health. Her father was in South Korea to find work, and this left Jehua vulnerable. Well, Jehua found her way to one of our group homes with four other boys around her age. When she came to us, she didn't say very much. She answered questions with a simple yes or no. Her caretakers were an underground church pastor and his wife. They gave Jehua her space. Months passed and her personality began to show. She began to complain, did not cooperate with the regimented schedule the couple had set up for the children in their home. They'd wake up early to have Bible study. There were chores each child had to complete each day. 
They had their schoolwork and tutoring after school. And there was church on the weekend in their small apartment. There was evening prayer. Jehua didn't like any of it, and she made it known. After months of listening to her complaints, the pastor's wife had enough. She put her foot down, told Jehua that she had no other choice. This was her life, and she had to accept it, they told her. And Jehua did, eventually. She was just as strong-willed, but she channeled her energies into games and sports. Jehua excelled at soccer, a perfect outlet for a girl with a personality like that. After a year, she came to love her new home. She affectionately called her caretakers mother and father. But the pain from her past remained, and more of it surfaced as time went on. In 2012, Jehua, along with another girl in her group home, came of age physically, if I may say it that way. This, along with the boys in this home, taking interest in the opposite gender, led to our missionaries holding a sex education seminar with the children in this orphanage. Here's a portion of the missionaries' update. We've been praying and preparing about this special trip for a while for this orphanage. These children are older than other shelters' children, and we wanted to talk to them about why we should keep our body and heart pure. According to the caretaker, two girls started uh, were growing up physically, and one boy seemed curious about females, so we're trying to plant seeds in the hearts of these orphan teenagers about what God's Word teaches about sex, marriage, and family. We also talked about an amazing Chinese letter, the Xing, which means sex. It has two words together. The first part means mind, and the second part means body. So sex means body and soul. It matches what the Bible says. During this seminar, Jehua faced down. She didn't say anything. It looked like she was crying. She told her caretakers that while she was living with her grandmother, she was repeatedly abused by a neighbor at 11 years old. She told our missionaries that she felt ashamed during the seminar. She felt like she did something wrong and that the damage this man caused was somehow her fault. Well, by 2013, when Crossing Borders started hosting summer camps for these children, we noticed quite a change in Jehua. She was clearly a leader amongst the other girls at camp. She had her own style. She wore all black with her hair cut short. Jehua stood and spoke confidently when she answered questions. She took care of the younger girls at camp. At home, her caretaker said that she was she's made a 180-degree turn from when they first met her. She helps out around the house more than anyone else. She even began to enforce the house rules with the other children. So it came as a big surprise one night in 2014 when her father came from South Korea to take Jehua to live in a boarding school nearby. When he came, her bags were packed and the goodbye was short. She left behind a letter which we translated, Dear Mother and Father, Thank you for raising me and teaching me for the past three years. Thank you for watching over me for the past three years. Thank you for forgiving me whenever I did wrong. The reason I am leaving is because my father is able to raise me now. 
Even after I leave, I will keep my faith and always attend Sunday services. Once again, Mother and Father, thank you for raising me. I love you, <laughs> Mother and Father. Well, the lives of our children are complex. They carry heavy hearts from the pain of their early lives and from living away from their families. The teens in our network also have very normal desires that are common for teenagers around the world. They want more freedom. They want less pressure. They want a space to carve out and explore their own individuality. Jehua has had all of these desires. The caretakers of this group have home found out that Jehua left not only because her father had the means to take care of her, <clears throat> but also because of these very normal teenage desires. The children in this home are allowed to carry smartphones if their families are willing to pay for them. They can text with their fathers, many of whom are working in South Korea. This is how Jehua's father decided to put his daughter in a boarding school, according to her caretakers. Soon the families of children in this home are now directly in touch with their kids. A sense they are, that is. Uh, there's been less and less communication with the caretakers and their parents. All reports about the, this home are now filtered through the lens of teenagers with all the exaggeration and misinformation that comes with that. Crossing borders takes pains to ensure the children in these houses are well cared for. We make frequent inspections and are allowed to drop in for a visit at any time. We also have a rigorous, ongoing interviewing process with each caretaker and each child. After Jehua left, we took an even closer look into this home and found no faults from these caretakers except for their decision to allow these children free reign on electronics. Well, by leaving her group home, Jehua thought that she'd be able to do what she wanted. She thought that she'd be able to go play games at a PC a gaming room uh, through the night. She thought she'd be able to go to parties. She thought she'd be able to say whatever was in her heart. She realized this wasn't true at all. Her dorm has strict rules and in some ways even stricter than her crossing borders home. Jehua visits every weekend for church and even brings her classmates along. She looks thin. She doesn't like the food at the dorm and it doesn't offer food on the weekends. Every weekend our caretakers take Jehua grocery shopping and they they cook her any meal that she wants. They tell her repeatedly that she could come back to the home, but she does not. Her father will not allow it. For now we offer her uh, these small gestures of love uh, on the weekends and our prayers. At the heart of crossing borders is this desire to love the people we serve without condition. We cannot dictate the circumstances of people's lives or carve a path that will protect them from every danger or pitfall. The best we can do is to show a relentless love, like the love Jehua's caretakers have shown her and continue to show her. Well, I understand that that was about crossing borders just as much as it was about Jehua. But I wanted you to see, have an insight into what is going on. Just one little picture of what is going on in northern China, right above North Korea, as people get over there and, and their lives take different uh, directions. Uh, would you pray for Jehua? Would you pray for the others, uh, the thousands of others being raised just like her? Some of them have been rescued by God's people. Some have not. 
so uh, ask God to, to guide and protect those ones that he loves so much. Uh, thank you for being with me today. We'll revisit Crossing Borders and North Korea starting on the weekend, next weekend. Uh, tomorrow, I have a message finally. I, I've been reading everybody else's things. I'm going to read something of my own that we just created about the strife among us regarding election and predestination. And we, it's something we've got to face. And I think it is important that we understand it, not argue about it, but I will give you um, my feelings about it based, of course, on the word. You know I wouldn't just share feelings. The book of John. We'll be talking about the book of John and the whole subject of election and predestination. So we'll see you then on that. Remind you to remember Psalm 37, 2, that we started with, evildoers will be cut down like the grass. Those that have messed with these girls and those that have messed with a whole nation, those who are in charge of that nation, unless they repent, they are going to be cut down. We can be thankful God is just. It will happen one day.